Welcome to the What's Your Ceiling podcast. We're your hosts, Monty Wyatt and Paul Szczynski. Wherever you are in life, there is a higher ceiling. This podcast is how you become aware of it and how to take action to push through it. I'm Monty Wyatt, best-selling author of Pulling Profits Out of a Hat and CEO of Adding Zero's Executive Development. I grew up on a family farm in Iowa and have gone from sowing corn to sowing seeds of success throughout the world, leading, managing, and training teams. With me is Paul Szczynski, entrepreneur and investor who also grew up on a family farm here in Iowa. We believe every organization and person can be intentional in how they lead, influence, and manage their lives and businesses. What's Your Ceiling is for professionals, managers, executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners who want to achieve more in their health, family, and business by breaking through their ceiling. Every episode will give you real-world, easy-to-implement solutions so that you can be more aware and take action to reach new heights. It's time to discover your ceiling. Welcome to the What's Your Ceiling podcast, where we talk about your health, your family, your business. I'm your host, Monty Wyatt, and it is an honor today to have a friend of mine from New Zealand joining us. And his journey of life education includes factory work, truck driving, living in a truck, working with at-risk youth, being a beekeeper, being a business coach for over 24 years, and is a licensed mind mentor. So I'm excited to talk about things because he's gone from being a alcohol-fueled, live in the moment, damn the consequence, teenager in the 20s, and all the way to a Hall of Fame business coach and a highly sought-after mind mentor. So I want to welcome Bruce Wilson. Bruce, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Monty. I'm always pleased to be talking with you. Well, I appreciate that. I look forward to our conversation. I know you've helped me over the years. We've known each other for quite a few years, and you've helped a lot of people around the world. And I want to hear about that and how not only have you broken through ceilings, but how you've helped others break through their ceilings in their mindset and and in their lives. I always like to start off with a topic. And so today's topic, I want to uh, call living fearlessly. So living yep. fearlessly. So Bruce, when you hear that phrase, living fearlessly, what comes to mind to you? Well, living fearlessly is actually part of what I say I do is I teach people the art of living fearlessly. Because when I've done my research in terms of you know breaking through the ceilings that I've had to break through, people are all focused on you know building confidence. But what I've found is by removing fear, we automatically act with confidence. So living life fearlessly means the capacity and capability to tap into our innate energy rather than getting sidetracked into fear and doubt and confusion, anger, all of those um, procrastination, all of those things that actually are our ceiling. You know, that that's that's incredible. And I, incredible. And I want to hear how you do that, because everybody faces that procrastination in faces that internal story that we tell ourselves that we can yeah. or can't do something. And that's what holds a lot of people back is that internal story that we tell ourselves. So yeah. I, I want to definitely get to that. But I want to I want to hear your story first. I want to hear about this journey. I want to hear, you know, starting in your 20s, I want to hear how you've broken through ceilings through the years and how you've become who you are today and what you've learned along the way. So give us a little storyline of, of your experiences. Uh, okay, brace yourself. So um, I was born, as most of us were, 
And um, I had two parents, a mother and a father. My father was alcoholic. And I can remember from the age of five, huge arguments about his drinking. And my mother, to balance all of this, was a total control freak. So she was one of the few people in the world I knew who paid her bills like three days ahead of time because she had all the money all sorted out. Even though dad didn't give her a lot of money, he preferred to take it to, to the drinking. So I grew up in that environment and it was tremendously destructive because um, I was had really high intelligence. So went through school without any real um, focus. I was in the top classes and the A streams and even got through to university. But deep inside, there was a big hole. And I didn't know what the hole was. I just knew that I was unhappy. So I started drinking and I was really good at it. You know, my father, he didn't teach me, just modeled drinking to oblivion. So by the time I was 20, I dropped out of university because I'd majored in parties and um, getting drunk and other illicit substances um, because there was no point to it. No, all my academic capability had no relevance. It didn't, even the thought of a job, it's like, well, I don't really care. So I left and worked in a factory and I was in charge of a certain aspect of quality control, which is completely the wrong thing for me, <laughs> being a people-based person, but I was smart enough that I could work out what to do. And that's one of the challenges for smart people. So you and other people listening is we get by because we've got intellect but intellect is not really our mind so i had the intellectual capacity but my mind which is my hopes my dreams my beliefs my upbringing my life experiences my view on the world was actually quite closed down so i left working in factories because i hated being inside then drove trucks which you know was really great but i looked at the career prospects and if I was in my 50s I've had a large beer belly and doing repetitive driving up and down up and down up and down so and I was still you know practicing the the drinking and partying and all of that sort of stuff and uh, at a certain point I was just I'd actually gone from driving trucks I built a house on the back of a truck and I was driving around with my girlfriend and uh, I was lying there one one day and I thought, you know what? I really, I don't want to be a lonely old man like my dad. And that was a point I made a decision to stop drinking. Now, that was a huge, huge choice because my whole circle of friends, my lifestyle was based around it. But I had to make a choice of like, do I do something for my future or do I just keep doing what I'm doing? So I had a bet with my girlfriend at the time. She was going to give up smoking. I gave up drinking. She didn't believe I could give up drinking. I didn't believe she could give up smoking. And I won the bet. So I stopped that. And then another thing happened. My girlfriend, for all the faults, um, which I could list quite a few, but that's another story, <laughs> introduced me to spirituality. And what I mean by that is it wasn't so much the God, the Christ, the Allah, whatever, it was this idea that the universe is operating on intelligent design. Like, you know, we breathe, we digest food. Trees know how tall to grow, what leaf, when to flower. Planets seem to follow an orbit. It's all, there's something structured about it. It's not totally random. And that opened up a whole exploration for me of like, so that means that, 
that I am designed to live life. I'm perfectly designed to live my life because I had a lot of thoughts about what I could and couldn't do, who I was in terms of my upbringing. And this gave me the chance to say, actually, I can choose. So I did choose and I chose to become a beekeeper, which doesn't sound really big, but I had no qualifications, no background at all other than working in a factory. And to say that I wanted to be a beekeeper was the time where I put a stake in the ground and said, this is my destiny. It's not what my parents want me to do. It's what my, not what my teachers said I should be doing. I want to do it. I want to work outside. I want to be doing something in harmony with nature. I want to produce a product that most people like. And I want to, this is the other thing, I want to work the summers and have the winters off. That seemed like a really good idea for me. So I worked for a guy. He put up with me for the first year because I was useless. I put up with him for the second year because he was a bit weird. And then third year, we worked together. And that was the first time I experienced, you know, two or more people working for a common cause really make stuff happen. Like we doubled the production when we were processing the honey. We doubled our production from 80 boxes to 160 boxes of honey extracted, or the boxes that the frames were in, extracted per day. And he was weird, I was weird, but we got past all of that and worked as a unit. And that was really exciting. And then, of course, I decided I had my own business because that was part of the next step. In New Zealand, you work for someone, you work out what to do, and you go, well, you know, I'm just going to do that. I'll make so much more money. <laughs> of course, I didn't realize I'd do so much more work, but I was still in charge of my destiny. And um, that was really exciting. So I worked up in the forests and down on the pastures and got my honey. But after I'd been doing beekeeping for 15 years, had my own business for about five. And I thought, you know, there's something missing. And it was people. So it was just me and a truck and my dog most of the time. During the summer, I'd have part-time employee. Wasn't enough people. So then I taught beekeeping. They actually had a course teaching people about beekeeping and became a tutor. And I got really interested in how people learn. And then I moved from teaching beekeeping to teaching at-risk youth. So we gave them a chance to try out different work. And, and I could never work out why these really smart kids had been kicked out of school or left before they were kicked out of you know, they were, they were very capable, but totally out of control. So I studied two things. One, accelerated learning. And the second, like, how do we create our reality? And that's where I first came across, just by chance, Brad Sugars, the creative action coach. And two things impressed me. One is he made a statement that stuck in my mind. And this is like 25 years ago. He said, People say I'm a motivator, but I don't motivate. I just show people how they can have what they want and they have all the motivation they need. And I thought, wow. So if I can show people how to get what they want, they're motivated. And then also I saw them up on stage influencing a thousand people in our local town hall. And I go, that's where I want to be. So I am a big believer in there is a, a pathway that's created by this universal intelligence. Let's call it God, Christ, Allah, whatever. There is a 
for those who are seeking a pathway is provided. So I was working with long-term unemployed was my last activity. And that's four years without any job at all. And mm. my job was to motivate them. So I remembered what Brad said, you know, teach people, that, that show them they can have what they want and they'll be motivated, which worked for about 30% of the people, which was great. But then the government who sponsored the program said, we want 50% outcome. And I go, you have not met these people. I, I won't do that. And I was looking for something else. And one day, and this does relate to the whole, you know, life is a spiritual journey. It's a practical journey. You've got to do stuff and a spiritual journey. So I was after lunch one day, I was lying in the sun and I was just thinking about life. And I thought these words, I wonder what's next. That's all I thought. And I had this image come up in my mind of me walking up a mountain on a track on the side of a mountain, quite a steep mountain, narrow track, come around the corner and I met myself coming down. But that self wasn't the person walking up who had long hair and a beard. He was me, clean shaven, wearing a suit and a white shirt and a tie. And at that point, I shut off that image. I go, that would make a lie of everything I've lived for. You know, I'm an alternative sort of guy. I'm not going to end up wearing no suit like some monkey. But as fate have it, after I saw Brad Sugar, I was so impressed by his presentation and the system he had, a friend of mine bought the master license for New Zealand. And he said, Bruce, you'd be great at being a business coach. And I go, oh, I don't think so. And he wanted lots of money. Like in my world, what was lots of money? And I go, and a commitment to pay that money for five freaking years, which I'd never signed anything for five years apart from the mortgage on my house. And that was just normal. So I go, no, 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 no. He said, yeah, 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 yeah. You'd be great, you know. So he wore me down after a few months. But what closed the deal was, he said, and part of the deal is, Bruce, you'd have to buy a suit and wear a suit as being part of a business coach. And I go, well, what can I do? That's the image in my mind of me clean shaven, wearing a suit. This is the right step. And there's been a few examples of that in my life. So I took it on and I was completely overwhelmed. Like my knowledge about business was not very deep. I was smart enough that I could learn it. But fortunately, a lot of what we do as a coach is working with people and how they think about themselves and their life and their business. So I could hang on to that while I learned all the other stuff. So I had my ups and downs, took me a while to get going. It was about 14 months before I finally understood how I could talk to someone and they'd understand the value of what I had to offer and be willing to write a check in the days when checks were still being written. So yeah, it was up and down, but at 14 months, I go, oh, I got the hang of this. And what I love about Action Coach, and uh, you know, that's one of the history that you and I share, is that we work on the person. We give them what we call generalized principles and the generalized principles of life, how life works. So I began to do two things. One, work on me personally in terms of learning these generalized principles, but also I had a catastrophic failure of the relationship I was in after nine years. The woman, for some reason, thought it would be a good idea to go and find herself which was not my vision of the future. So I ended up, as a result of that, doing a lot of therapy about the effects of growing up in an alcoholic environment. 
because a lot of my behavior, I was so confused. I'd bent over backwards to be the absolute best guy I could. And she still said, I feel suffocated. So I did therapy. I had an action coach teaching about how life works. And that really sparked me because it put everything together. I was learning to teach people about life. I was understanding more about the mindset, not just learning, but the true mind. And I was helping make a difference. So that's when it all came together. And I was doing really, really well. So an action coach, you know, I've, I've achieved way beyond anything I ever thought I could in terms of the lifestyle, traveling around the world, and thought I'd kind of reached, I'd reached a plateau. Now, I knew I'd reached a plateau because my income had remained static for five years. I mean, within $5,000 gross revenue for five years, I call that a plateau. It was a good plateau. It was good money plateau. But even I thought, hang on a minute, Bruce, Bruce, you're selling yourself short. And that's when I came across Quality Mind, which is a Quality Mind Global is a, an organization set up by an Australian guy, ironically, because um, Action Coach has set up a Brad who is a Australian. And now the next big influence of my life was Richard Maloney. And he had an activation program, not personal development, personal activation. And I'd done a lot of work. I'd done my therapy. I knew the generalized principles. But somehow the practices he put together suddenly gave me the tools to really question, particularly as it evolved over a couple of years, how much fear was in my life. When I was procrastinating and I learned from the tools to burrow down and burrow down, Brian, what's the thinking? What's the mindset that means a highly intelligent, capable, high-achieving person puts up call, calling up an opportunity? You know, it's like, what's going on? And then I realized that fear is a manufactured state to keep us safe. It doesn't have to be based on any real facts or real truth. It's just a thought that I have in my brain. And I also found out that fear is learned. When we look at a young child, you look at a child who's like 18 months to two years just before the tantrum stage, like life is so exciting. They wake up in the morning you know, they might not be able to walk real well, but they're so keen to look at this and look at that, taste that. You know, something happens and they just laugh and laugh and laugh like they're full of joy. They're willing to try anything here. Eat that. Okay. <laughs> you know, they're just like, why not? And so then I realized that I learned fear, not consciously, but unconsciously. I'd actually made decisions about who I I was and what I was capable of. I'd made decisions about how life is. Life is hard. Life is confusing, whatever. And then I made decisions about people. People are greedy. They think about themselves, whatever. I had a whole lot of thoughts like that, which are actually the root of my fear. And because a thought is just words and imageries and feelings all combined together, and it only occurs in my mind because you can't buy a cup of fear. You can't go down to the supermarket and say, oh, I'd like to buy a fear of snakes, please, because they can't guarantee that what they give you will induce fear. We have to invent it ourselves. So then I realized that at times where I had fear just by changing the thought, 
I was fearless. Just by changing the words, the images, and the feelings, there's no fear there. And I just take action. So that's brought me today, you know, why I'm so keen to talk with you about what's your ceiling. I'm telling you, the ceiling is either one of two things. Ignorance, which is just not knowing something. Because, you know, you have to learn stuff. We're not born knowing everything. We're born with everything we need to live our lives, but we don't know everything. So that's one limit. And this, and by the way, without fear, that's not a problem. If you tell me I'm ignorant, I don't get all wound up about it. I go, yeah, you're right. I don't know. I'll go and find out. But if there's fear on top of that, fear is the actual ceiling. So if you say to me, Bruce, you're ignorant, and I interpret that as what? You're telling me I'm, I'm worthless. You're telling me I'm stupid. That's the fear playing in. So a ceiling is always ignorance and or fear. And my work now is I've developed a process. I just had an experience yesterday where a woman had behavior that was absolutely a ceiling. She was at her wit's end. And we burrowed down and burrowed down and burrowed down because fear is always in the past. Like the future, it's like there's nothing in it. It's just empty. You could go that way or that way or that way. But our fear is always, oh, there's my future. How do I handle it? I'll look back to what worked in the past. And what worked in the past is just anything that helped me survive. So often these limiting thoughts, not true. They never were true, but they're in my brain. So we borrow them out, change the thoughts, change the actions, life changes. And that's, that's where I am today, living life fearlessly. That's the game. That is the whole game. Because without the fear, the joy erupts out. I, so that's the long story, Marty. I'm sorry. You're a very patient man to listen to that. Diatribe, no, no, I, I, love, I love your stories. I love how you've grown, how you've changed. You know, I, I, I want to talk about those self-limiting beliefs. And, and, and you can certainly share a story about yourself and how you've changed. But I also want to, I want you to tell our audience, the achiever, you know, maybe yeah. a couple tips on how to break through some of these self-limiting beliefs and, and what's, what's an easy exercise or what's something that, that, that you can teach us uh, and the achiever to break through some of those self-limiting beliefs. Right. So number one, create a future to live into. So no one takes like maintaining the status quo does not motivate people, does not excite people set a point in the future where you aim to be in a feel a certain way be a certain way have certain things or do certain things but set a future to live into so you've got a reason to grow or a target or a direction whatever the name is but just dealing with what i've got now there's there's a lot of studies showing that when our focus is on fixing a problem we end up finding more problems to fix and generally make very, very slow progress. But people who set a target of achieving something completely different, their life changes at a much higher rate than people who just fix problems. So set your your shining star, your true north, the, who you want to be known as, how you want to feel about yourself, set something there. And then secondly, start taking notice of your energy. So I'm going to propose that we're fueled by two things, either love and joy or fear. Either has an energy. 
when you boil it down, those are the two most common sources of energy. And very, very high achievers are often motivated by fear. So in their brain, in their unconscious programming, they've got a thought, I'm not good enough. So to compensate so that they never got get seen to be not good enough, they achieve. They push themselves. They drive themselves and achieve a lot. But at a certain point, and dare I say it, Tiger Woods is a perfect example. At a certain point, you have to confront fear or you're going to start to disintegrate because the fear is a source of energy, but it runs out of relevance at a certain point in our life. It runs out of relevance. And my job, a lot of the time, you mentioned achievers. A lot of the people I work with are already very high achievers, but they've they've run to the limit of being motivated by fear and doubt in their unconscious mind. So I teach them to remove that. And the first thing I teach them is notice the source of the energy. Are you in love and joy or are you in fear? And if it's okay, Marty, I'd, I'd really love to do a short illustration of this. Okay. Absolutely. So Absolutely. let's say we've we got something in our life like um, say it's a business challenge and we've been thinking about it and thinking about it and we seem to be going in that circular thinking like, should I do it this way? Should I do it that way? Or what about this? Or what about that? And we're going round and round and round. And it might be some months down the track. We might have even set a target and we've stretched the target out because we're not settled in our mind. So what I teach people to do is to, we call this the chair exercise, mainly because it starts off standing up and standing behind my chair. So I'm standing behind my chair. This is me in the point of choice. So life is about choice. I've got choices about the energy I tap into. So now I'm going to step to my left and I'm going to think about the problem in the energy that I'm in. Like, well, should I do this? And should I do that? And I'd speak out all of the thoughts that I've got and nine times out of 10, I'd still end up confused. So that tells me I'm in my fear state. So I don't want to stay there. So I step slightly backwards and step into the middle again to the point of choice and then shake all of that off. Then I step to the right. And as I step to the right, I imagine a time in my life where I've felt inspired, where I've felt full of energy, where I've felt confident. It may be a specific person that triggers that. I'm feeling full of love. In that energy, I stay in that energy for you know 30 seconds to a minute. And then in that energy, I step forward into the situation and think about the situation in that energy, in the completely different energy. And i got my eyes closed because I imagine this with my eyes closed. I think about the problem when I'm full of confidence, nothing's a problem. I'm, I'm open, I'm loving, I'm carefree. How does that problem occur now? And nine times out of 10, particularly if I start talking about it, some new ideas will come to me. In that case, I then step back and I step into the middle. And usually then I write down all of the things that I've been thinking in that change of energetic state. And then I'm reminding myself, I always have the choice of how I approach any problem in terms of the energy. I do it all in the mind, but I do a physical action to remind myself I'm choosing to the left-hand side, I'm choosing the doubt, the fear, the confusion around it. I can get into the neutral, get rid of that energy. 
strategy and then deliberately energize positively and then step into the same problem. So that now my also my chair becomes an anchor, like a physical um, reference point for I have choice. I've got this problem. I've got hooked up in the, I can break it. Now I can break it because I can exercise choice on the energy that's powering me. I love that visual you just did. And it, it's sometimes we do have to step out of our current state of mind to see what else is out there. Why Why yes. should I stay where I'm at, where I can't see the solution? All I see is the problem. I've got to step away. And I, I love that exercise. And particularly because now by doing that, we have a physical anchor. It's a neuro-linguistic programming teacher. Is it? We have a physical anchor for choice because the one thing that creates that ceiling is a thought that says, I have no choice. Like that will absolutely create that ceiling. I have no choice. Well, we always do. And it starts with the set of our mind. It's called mindset for a reason. We only control two things in life. We control the setting of our mind and the action we lend ourselves to. Those are the only choices we have. Everything else is automatic. The amount of oxygen in the air, we don't create that. The ability to breathe or not, we, we don't, you know, digesting food. I haven't got a clue how to do that. Everything else is on automatic, but I can create my reality in my mind and therefore create my life. So that's why I spend so much time every day getting my mind set so that the actions I take will lead me to that shining sun that I've set and who I want to be known as and what I want to have and do all those good things. So, you know, I, I, I love get, love to get visualization in that process, you know, with all the people that you've worked with, you know, what is the reason why people stay where they are? You know, it's, it's that fear, but do they not see that future vision? Do they not want to see a future vision or they've never been asked that question? Why do people stay where they are? Um, I think a lot of people have been taught not to dream. You know, when we were young, it's go, oh, I want to, I want to be an astronaut. And everyone goes, yeah, well, not really. And that habit of not, not allowing people to dream is passed on for generations. And then the second reason that people don't activate is they don't, well, yeah, they, they, they don't dream. They can't work out how. And that's one of the problems that people like to work with what they know. And if what they know can't work out how, they go, well, I can't do it. But we're learning growing machines. So I might not know how. I just have to know where I'm heading. I'm smart enough. I'm together enough to live my life, I can learn what I need to learn. So that fixed mindset of like who I am is who I am, it's unchangeable, that really causes the problem. So no dream and then believing we're fixed. I, I can't work out how I'm not even going to try. I, I think that's a great point. I think that's a great point. People sometimes know where they want to go, but I, I don't know what to do first. I'm I'm I don't know how to get there. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the tools or the resources. So I guess we can't yeah. get there. Yeah. But see, there have been times I've thought that, but I've also got faith. You know, I mentioned that the pathway is designed if I'm willing to take it up. So, you know, having that faith that what I need is around me or will be offered to me, 
All I have to do is recognize it and say yes and keep grabbing the opportunities. The opportunities, like I know you're a big planner, you know, like you're one of these guys who plans. I've achieved most of what I've achieved in my life just thinking, man, I'd really like to do that. And then the how always gets given to me. I just have to get better and better and better at recognizing the how because you're right, you know, who I am now can't have what I want in the future because I've got to grow into that. The belief that what I need will be given to me, will be brought to me, and I my job is to recognize it and say yes and work on how I think. Like I'm a big believer, I must set my mind every day. So you won't know about this, but you know, I've got this, I've got this dream of having a motorcycle. It's a very expensive motorcycle, the Vincent Series C Rapide. So I've drawn this fine diagram and I have a whole lot of conditions around it about how it's going to happen and what has to be maintained. And I look at this every day. And when I set it, you know, one of the things I have to pay for this motorcycle, which is $95,000. So, you know, in my world, that's a lot of money. Yours, maybe not, but mine, yes, for a motorcycle especially. So I have to pay for it out of cash flow, which means I had to increase my cash flow, right? I had to maintain my other financial commitments. I'd made a commitment to my partner to clear our mortgage by a certain day, which meant lump sum payments. And I had to maintain that as well. So that was one of the conditions. I have to be health and fit because it doesn't have an electric start. I have to be able to kick this thing to get it going. It's a 1952 motorcycle. So there were all these conditions, but I look at it every day and going, this is what's happening. I don't know how. And I've got all this or something better is coming to me now. And opportunities like, you know, I really appreciate you calling me up and saying, hey, would you like to have a chat? Because in some way, this is part of the journey. I don't know how or why, but it's part of who I need to become to bring into reality what I say I want. And honestly, that's what excites me. The motor I've got motorcycles already. It's the journey of becoming someone that excites me and having greater capacity, being able to really coach people to break through their fears and set aside all the junk from their past. So it's always there, but it doesn't affect who they are today. Now, now I'm doing that on, I'd say, I've more than doubled my impact in the last two years. Way more. Double my income, double my impact, more to come. So you don't have to know how. Just Set the what and get, get excited about that. Know why you want it. You know, and, Bruce, I want to reinforce something for our for our listener, the achiever. You said we have to grow into our future. We have to absolutely. grow into our future in our in our mind, in our knowledge, in our in our behaviors. But we have to say yes to that future. Yep. And there's so much yep. doubt that we have that we push it away. So we've got yep. to say yes to that future. And then I love the last thing you said about it. We have to set your mind daily on that future yeah. because yeah. we can get caught up in the daily problems, the daily issues, and we no longer see that future. So it's no longer possible. And That's so right. we got to grow into the future. We got to say yes to that future. And we've got to set our mind daily to that. So I wanted our yeah. achievers to make sure you captured that. Yeah. I love that. That's it. The law of diminishing intent is perhaps the most dangerous aspect of going for who we aim to be it's like everyone starts like new year's resolution everyone starts all fizzed up but the law of diminishing intent means they get sidetracked you know 
worrying about how many pairs of shoes they should buy this year or, you know, instead of the thing that would really fulfill them. Because this is the journey is all about self-fulfillment. You know, in one of the preamble, you, you said, well, what's success? To me, success is living in full self-expression, full self-expression of who I am and the purpose that I'm here to fulfill. That's what success is. The amount of money, the the trappings, that can happen or not. It really doesn't matter. I've found the people who feel fulfilled with their life at any level, like that's success. I love it. I, I love it. You know, it's everybody's got their different view of success, but what you just said is it's it's more internal. It's we've got to have internal success to think about where we are. It's our mind, it's our journey, it's our self-expression. And yeah. and and I love that. Most people don't even find their self-expression because yeah. of those fears or that doubt that we talked about. Yeah. So yeah. I, I really love it. You know, there, there's a few things I wanna wanna reinforce that you've shared with us today. And you, one of them, you said it's our mindset is our view of the world. Yeah. And and I, I think there's so much negativity in the world that we've been trained to be negative. So we've got yeah. to change that view of the world to see the good, to see the positive, to see the future. So I, I love that. And you, you said it as well. And I think it's part of that growing into the future. It's we are perfectly designed to live life. We just have to find it. We just have to find it and break through that fear. And and I think that's a big part of it is is noticing where our energy comes from. Does our energy come from fear or does it come from love and joy? And how are you moving closer uh, to the area that makes you satisfied? And and I, I think you're right. The ceiling is the fear. What we can't yeah. achieve our highest level without breaking through that fear. Yeah. And I, I loved your exercise. I loved your exercise. So I really appreciate that. Any final tips that you'd give our audience, the achiever, to to help with living life fearlessly? Hang out with the right people. You know, it's like um, some of us grew up in households where, you know, people sniped at each other or put people down. And um, some people, you know, it's not just their family it's the you know teachers or business or whatever it's like choose who you hang out with because that energy that they've got and you've got that'll multiply it's like you know two waves that join together and they become twice the height so that's that's a, a real big one like this podcast you know the fact that anyone is listening to this podcast means they want to resonate with that achieving energy that living life fully energy so that's important really really important I, I love that. Hang with the right people. And just like you grew up, you grew up around alcoholism and you started it yourself. And then you you had to change your your crowd. You had to change who you yeah. hung out with. Yeah. And yeah. so that that's a big part of the world is you got to hang with the right people. So I really appreciate yeah. that. Bruce, this has been fantastic. I love hearing your story, but I love hearing your ceilings that you broke through, who you've become today. And that's that's a big part of it. Who do you choose to become? And you said yeah. as it's the point of choice every single day. And yeah. what am I choosing? Am I choosing uh, where my energy goes to the left or to the right? And how am I mm -hmm. using that energy? And yeah. I really want to reinforce that to our listener is it's a point of choice on how you're using and guiding your energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've summed it up perfectly. There you go. I can relax. 
Absolutely. You know, Bruce, if somebody wanted to uh, contact you or find you on the internet, how could they find you best? Yeah, um, I've got a website. It's called beinghumanwisdom.com. Beinghumanwisdom.com. Yeah. And so you can contact me directly through there. Bruce at beinghumanwisdom.com will will get me by email. Yeah. So either way, and by the way, on the um, uh, on the uh, website, I've got a free life scorecard where you can score yourself in the elements of mind, body, and soul to get an idea of like where are the low points. If you think of the you know these life wheels that people have, if there's a low point, it means the wheels clonking along. So and that's free. You, you can just turn up there and take the test and if you might want to talk to me or not, but you get an idea of where to focus your growth and development and from taking that. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Bruce, thank you so much for your time today. And I want to encourage our listener, The Achiever, to listen to this podcast again, like us, subscribe to our podcast, because it is, life is our mindset. It's our thoughts. It's our actions that drive our mindset. And we have a choice. And our fears are holding us back. And we've got to break through those fears to find love and joy. So, Bruce, thank you so much. Thank you to the audience for listening. We'll see you next time on our podcast. What's your ceiling? Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to What's Your Ceiling? We hope this episode has helped you transform the way you think, understand your awareness, has given you new ideas, and has provided you a new perspective on how to push through your ceiling. Please take in a second to give us a thumbs up Each review helps us impact more people just like you making a difference in this world. See you next week on What's Your Ceiling?